Hello and welcome to the Buckle Bomb Show presented by Bomb Media Productions. I'm so happy to be here dancing our way to your screens like Jeff Hardy going to save his brother. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Tony, he's my broadcast partner for this show. How you doing, buddy? Oh my God. I'm doing great, man. How about yourselves? I'm so grateful that we're finally able to get this off the ground and let's see what we can do for the future of wrestling podcasts. Shows. Both. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy to be here. The first the first show on Bomb Media Productions gonna be a weekly show every Sunday. I'm so happy to be doing it. Um first show on this channel, I never expected it to be a wrestling show. Um, but it, it kind of makes sense because uh Bomb Media Productions, I sort of derived that from Bobby the Bomb, which was my old creator wrestler name that just kind of stuck with me my whole life from back WrestleMania 2000 video game on the Nintendo 64. I create a wrestler, I Bobby the Bomb. And it's just kind of, it's my email, it's my everything I do. For whatever reason, I've just kind of stuck with that. And so when I was creating a YouTube channel, I'm like, Bobby the Bomb Productions. And that was a thing I came up with a long time ago, but then I just uh, dropped a Bobby and just do Bomb Media. And but yeah, it, it's kind of fitting that the first show on Bomb Media Productions is uh, a pro wrestling show. Uh, I'm gonna throw you a curveball right off the bat, something we didn't talk about. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, I haven't played it yet. But WWE 2K22, I know you bought it, uh, you've played a little bit of it. I saw your creator wrestler, which uh, I'm gonna have to make Bobby the Bomb again now so I can beat your punk ass. Um, the villain Rago <laughs> takes on all challenges. Uh, all right, but how's how's the game so far? How's it playing? All right. Well, if you know anything about 2K and the partnership they've had with WWE, mm-hmm. uh, this is a step forward, not just a step. I would say a massive leap from the atrocity that was 2K20. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will say about it, it plays smooth. It takes a little bit to get used to the new control setup. Okay. Um, but once you get it down packed, it's a lot of fun, a lot of time to tinker around with stuff. Um, I will say this. There is going to be a lot of butthurt people who were released from the company within the last two years. Because if you think about how long they've been working on this game and all the delays granted with lockdowns and things like that right they didn't want to go back and take everything out so they just renamed stuff um Mm -hmm. when you work on your entrance there is a entrance move set called n14 dash j4x and it is nia Jax's entrance top to bottom (laughs) and i'm just kind of like all right, not even trying anymore. We're just going for it. But yeah, no. Well, that's it's, it's, it's always a- been that way. Like those old video games, like you'll always see, like even years later, like back even in the WCW days, you know, with like WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, that same company made WCW Revenge and WCW World Tour before that. So, you know, a lot of those move sets, those moves and the taunts and all that stuff, they just copied over into uh you know wrestlemania 2000 and i think that's why wrestlemania 2000 because they had to do all new taunts and all new animations for the wwf wrestlers 
but they still yeah. had all the stuff for the WCW wrestlers. So that was probably why, hey, let's we've got all, all these assets, all these animations. Let's do a creator wrestler. And WrestleMania 2000 was the first real creator wrestler. Um, yeah, now, at least in that series. So I, I, I will say this about the game. Um, it's, it's fun as hell. It's a lots of fun. But the story mode, my rise. I don't know who they got to voice act in this. I don't know if the wrestlers who voice acted themselves just didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Gameplay is amazing. Voice acting is atrocious, atrocious. And the storyline, it's just all over the place. Uh, like I was talking to you over text, there is legitimately a Bullet Club NWO coming together over your creator wrestler wanting to do a WCW One Night Nitro version of Raw. Yeah, you'd, you'd mentioned the Bullet Club in that message, and I was surprised. Like I, When you said that, I didn't think it was actually the Bullet Club. I just thought it was like, oh, the club or whatever. And But then I saw your Instagram post earlier, and I saw the Bullet Club you know, logo on the screen in the back, you know, on the Titantron behind your created wrestler. I'm like, oh, is, is the Bullet Club, the Bullet Club actually in the game? So No, the Bullet Club itself is not in the game. What that is is... Like, okay, you can add, you can you add can images and stuff. Okay, because I've done that um, with, they, with my Bobby the Bomb. I would put my logo yeah. in like 2K19 and stuff, yeah. Now, what they mention is, is like the old club in Japan... And they throw out a lot of references to New Japan while referencing the stuff. So they'll reference the stuff, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you got Finn Balor and AJ Styles in the ring, Too Sweet and Kevin Nash. You know, it's kind of a homage. Right. All right, we got some sad news that broke uh, just before we started recording, Tony. Uh, Scott Hall um, uh, apparently recently had some hip surgery after breaking his hip and there was a complication, a blood clot was let loose and he uh, had three heart attacks last night. He's on life support and critical condition right now. Um, very sad news. Hopefully he recovers. It'd be really terrible after all the shit he's been through and survived. Uh, hopefully this isn't the thing that takes him down. Uh, your thoughts on Scott Hall's health and his, uh, his legacy in wrestling. Um, yeah, it, you know, it was a hell of a thing to walk into when we started this chat to get ready for the uh, show today. And Scott Hall is always going to hold a special place in my heart because one of the first WWF wrestling matches I ever remember seeing as a child, WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in that Intercontinental Championship ladder match. Yeah. Um, yeah, hell of a match. Now... Just to piggyback off what you said, Scott Hall is, in, you know, this isn't meant to be a knock on Scott Hall. He is the Keith Richards of professional wrestling. Everything that man has done to his body is still kicking. There's no yeah. way in hell in my heart that I think a blood clot's going to be what takes out Scott Hall. I've had yeah. blood clots before. Yeah, so if him. Didn't take me out. He's fine. Yeah, there there are select few, of course, uh, DDP's house, uh, you know, that have been through that. We got Buff Bagwell, just uh, moved in with DDP. 
you know Stuff's looking like the stuff again man oh uh, yeah yeah he's he was looking rough for a little while and just a few days with ddp and he's already looking a little better he, i saw ddp had posted some pictures of him cooking and eating some food uh the other day um you know of course jake roberts and and scott hall you know the shit those guys all all of them have been through um hopefully this isn't what takes down scott hall i don't like i like I, i'm with you i don't believe this is this is what could take down Scott. He's he's still got some some life left in him. I I hope. Um, so fingers crossed for him for the bad guy, uh, and we can see him recover. Um, from there, we will move on to AEW Revolution. You and I watched this the other day um, on Sunday. I went to your house. Uh, we watched the pay per view. Um, and full disclosure, I loved I loved talking wrestling and doing this show. I'm not an avid everyday watcher these days, so I'm not up to date with every storyline and everything. But um, I I've been loving the CM Punk uh, MJF feud. You know, I love uh, Brian Danielson. Of course, Sting is an icon, and and holy shit, what he did at that show. Um, and I like seeing some of the younger guys. You know, even if they didn't get a whole lot, to, just to see the little bit of hook. You know who I've been hearing a lot about, uh, Jade Cargill. Uh, my God, she looks amazing, and I know she's green, but wow, uh, she's got a look to her that could. She was wearing green. She is green. I think she'll make a lot of green. Um, so and then uh, yeah, uh, of course Britt Baker getting to see her a little bit of her too. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on AEW Revolution and what went down, what took place uh, that night that we watched? My God, it's Sting, it's Sting at 60-some years old throwing himself off of that through those tables. Holy hell. That was incredible. I'm like, because they're up there fighting on on the uh, above the tables. And you see how the tables are all set up. I'm like, and it's teasing that he's, they're going to throw Sting over. And I'm like, oh, that's obviously not going to happen. It's not Sting. It's going to be, you know, um, one of the other guys, uh, you know, on Andrade, whoever was up there. And, Darby. yeah, or eventually oh, Darby's going to, you know, do a crazy dive or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then next thing you know, they've got someone set up on the tables, and then there's Sting. He's climbing over the railing. I'm like, oh, what? No, he's he's in his 60s. No way. <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable what he did and i you know the match is what it was it was it was a quick thing and you know uh, that was one of three tag matches on the show including the pre-show that you know this was the best of the bunch but uh, you know it was it was still a lot of fluff and a lot of gimmicky off out, outside the ring stuff um which you know sometimes i can be ambivalent for but this was this was what it was always meant to be which was just a fun quick paced a lot of action. It was never going to be a story-driven match. So this one I was okay with. But yeah, Sting Sting doing that jump off the top was mind-blowing. Um, uh, but yeah, and then of course, the uh, I alluded to it a little earlier, the other tag matches on the show, especially the one on the pre-show. I saw other people, you know, on, on Twitter and stuff, praising them. Oh, God, I know. And you, you and I, during especially during the first one, um, let me see. I've got my the card here because I again I'm not. Oh yeah, the House of Black and uh, 
Pac, Penta, and Redbeard. Like, that match. I mean, I, I as a six-man tag, okay, but it was just such a mess. And they were flying through things, and there was no sense. It was just like a fight. There wasn't, there wasn't no tags. Like, you and I were having trouble keeping up with who was legal. Like, it was just people coming in. The ref was just standing there, like, looking dumb. Like, totally getting buried, just letting things happen. Like, I, that was the worst match on the card for me. Uh, just terrible. Full disclosure. I consider myself an AEW mark. I'm not tribalistic about it like everybody else. And you can't watch us watch that. But when after the pay-per-view was over and you were getting ready to go home, what did I tell you? That was the worst AEW pay-per-view I think I have yet to see. And that's including the botched barbed wire, exploding barbed wire death match. Right, right. Um, I'm a massive fan of Malachi Black. Brody King, I followed him forever. Uh, Penta, Redbeard, all those guys. That match did not do a single one of those athletes any justice. Mm-hmm. And let's further get to- along, go ahead. Further along the storyline, I can see what they were trying to do. But what you were saying, the no tags, the referee acting stupid, not knowing who's the legal man, it it was very confusing and hard to keep track of. Yeah, and the referee, at least have the referee try and keep, no, you, you're not legal, get, get, get back to your corners and do at least try to pretend there's a rule in there somewhere. But it was, yeah, it, it just, the referee was literally just standing there in the corner. He might as well have been leaning against the turnbuckle. Like, and he looked lost, you know, it was... Ugh, that one was rough. And then, of course, the other one, you know, I'm not, I haven't gotten to see a lot of the Young Bucks. You know, I saw um, at, uh, I believe it was All Out uh, with, with Punk and Al, Darby Allen, that his, their return match, that same pay-per-view, they had the cage match with, uh, uh, Jung, or not Jungle Express, with, uh, oh, was it Jungle Express, where they lost the tag I, team? No, 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 that was... Uh... Lucha Bros. Lucha Brothers. Okay, yes, yes. Um, that match was interesting. There's a, it was a little too much and a lot of flying. I'm a little Jim Cornette-ish with my style, the style of pro wrestling that I like. I'm not, I'm not as uh, dogmatic about it as he can be. <laughs> you know, I understand that wrestling is moving forward, and you know, there's short attention spans. You're not going to get you know, a Dory Funk Jr. match anymore. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, at least you don't have to just do flips for the sake of flips. You know, even something like a Canadian Destroyer, I kind of go, ah, I'm not sure about that move. Uh, it can certainly look pretty. But so the, the Young Bucks aren't exactly my cup of tea. So that match, what are, what are your thoughts on that match? Uh, mine were, eh. So... To be honest, I don't have thoughts about that match. Just for the simple fact, like you said, it's getting a little, for lack of better terms, it's stale. Yeah. AEW has one of the deepest tag divisions of any roster right now. 
including adding a new intriguing team of Danielson and Mox. Which is something with, we're going to get to in a second, yeah. The great William Regal as their mouthpiece. That tag team division is stacked. There is no reason why we should be seeing the Young Bucks and Lucha Express for the millionth time. With Jungle Express and, yeah. Jungle it, Express. Over and over and over again. You got uh, Red Dragon, I guess, is a new team, and they were thrown in here. Um, but, yeah, you got FTR, which might be the best tag team in the world. Uh, and they sort of get buried in AEW a little bit. Though so it, it seems like there's more stuff happening with them. They just had a blow-up with Tully Blanchard, I saw mm-hmm. on Dynamite. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's time for the Young Bucks... Uh, and I say this not as out of hate. I say this out of they're getting stale, like you said. Maybe have them go away for a little bit. I know they're EVPs, but work a little bit more behind the scenes. Get off TV for a bit, so that way when you come back, you're fresh. Um, have someone beat you guys down, and then when you come back, you can either come back as a babyface or a heel, but you can, if you're a heel, you can get your heat back. But just stay off TV for a little bit. I think it's time, and then when you come back, you'll be, they'll be bigger. But uh, yeah, stale. Stale. Oh. I think stale. I think is the right word. And they've got so much talent there, tag team wise. But, and yet, and yet, but, their tag team division seems to almost be worse than than WWE's. And we know how they feel about tag teams. Yeah. So I mean, in terms of the Young Bucks, there's so many options you could do with these guys just to make us want them again. You right. know what I mean? Send them the impact for a little bit. Have them work on this uh, bullet club splitting storyline they're doing right now. I mean, something, just get them off of AEW television for maybe two months. Yeah. And I guarantee after those two months, they are going to be money magnets right away when they come back to the door. They don't even have to miss the next pay-per-view because that's, that's one of the good things about AEW. They only have, you know, four pay-per-views a year, I think. Yeah. You know, they, ha- they do these bigger dynamite shows for some blow-offs and things here and there. But only the, you know, they don't have to miss the next pay-per-view. That's, you know, take them off TV for a little bit, and then you can bring them back better than ever and bigger than ever. And instead of, you know, yeah, they're just stale right now. Um, I did like the uh, Chris Jericho-Eddie Kingston match. Um, it, was, it wasn't anything big or fancy, but it got Kingston over. I like that. Um, you know, getting his first big win, and that guy's gonna. That guy's a star. You know, he doesn't have the body. He's not a. I wouldn't say he's a natural in the ring, but he there, he's got something to him that people just gravitate towards. And even though he doesn't always necessarily wear the white hat, he's not a white meat baby face. But people people love that guy. Uh, go ahead. Eddie is a true journeyman of the industry, man. Yeah. I mean. He's wrestled everywhere. Hell, the first time I ever was introduced to Eddie Kingston was in TNA when they brought back LAX with Ortiz and Santana, which, I mean, if you saw Dynamite this week, it looks like they might be flirting with the idea of bringing that back. Um, But what a match. What a way to put Eddie over. What a way to get some actual heat back on Jericho. Yeah. I mean, between the way he acted at the end of that match and what transpired on Dynamite this week with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jesus fucking Christ, I can't believe that's a thing. But (laughs) 
Like I said, man, anything Jericho says, they slap it on a goddamn T-shirt, and they're going to make a couple thousand off of it. I, it bugs the hell out of well, me. Well, that's, that's been Jericho since Nitro. I mean, and and it's always, it was great back then. I, to me, you know, 1998 Jericho is peak Jericho. But he's always been brilliant at everything he does. And, uh, and maybe that's starting to get a little stale, too. But he's reinvented himself so many times. Right. It, you can't knock Chris Jericho. He's one of the best in the world to ever do it, for sure. Um, but real quick, not taking away from Eddie Kingston, though, that was a hell of a match. He really showed the larger stage what he's actually about. It was a good opportunity for him to showcase himself away from being the tag team partner, best friend of John Moxley. It was a great way to showcase him not in a situation with a bunch of other tag teams or anything like that, to like make him like the third man on it. I think it really showed what Eddie Kingston was going to be able to do in the singles division going forward. And yeah. hopefully Kingston's going to get that shot at a title. There's, that dude yeah. Just, well, I mean, I'd love to see him in the TNT championship uh, picture. I don't. I think it could be a while. There's a long list of people. Oh, now you got kind of Moxley and and Danielson off to the side. So you, who knows? But you know, you got Punk who's going to be in the title picture, and, and you know, obviously when uh, when uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. He was just a, the last AEW champion. Oh, Sammy Guevara? No, AEW champion. Uh, Omega, Kenny Omega. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've brain farted on his name for a second, but Kenny Omega, he's going to be in the championship. And my cat's uh, Jack's loving on my tripod. He does that, so my camera just got moved around. But um, um, yeah, you, you got plenty of people that are going to be in the title picture or around the title picture, the world title. So, and I, I don't think Kingston's at that level yet. He still needs to be built up to that. But you can, he could definitely be in the TNT title picture or at least in that range um, competing for that, especially now that he got his big win against a former world champion. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was a good match. I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, another one was uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. My first time really seeing Britt Baker, or both of them, really. Um, I know they've been building up to this match for a while. Um, I was surprised Thunder Rosa didn't go over and finally get the championship here. I thought maybe that was what they should have done because, I mean, I guess they can continue. We know AEW doesn't do a whole lot of rematches, but I guess they could continue the story and we'll see where they go. Maybe they do do a rematch the next pay-per-view or um, next they, big uh, Dynamite. They have a rematch coming up uh, Wednesday on Dynamite for St. Patrick's Day Slam. Okay. And right. I... I, I think what you're. But would you to would you like, would you put her over on a dynamite after having Britt Baker uh, go over on the pay per view? I don't know. I would I would put her over if you're going to make her champion. I would have done it at the pay per view. So here's my theory about it. I, I feel like at this point Britt Baker's kind of solidified herself as the uh, fourth pillar of AEW. If you'd like to believe CM Punk. Yeah. Um, what she's done, she looks like a million dollars in the ring every time she's out there. Her promos are fire. She's what that women's division needs. 100%. Now, you take somebody like Thunder Rosa, who in her own right is an absolutely incredible athlete. She does things sometimes that are just absolutely mind-blowing in the ring. 
I, I don't really know what her skills are like on the microphone because she doesn't really talk a whole lot. But at the same yeah. time, though, think about it from a numbers perspective. You know a fan is going to watch Dynamite. It doesn't cost them a penny. You're using Dynamite as a platform to get this person over and get the crowd to fall in love with them, right? Now you're going to have this pay-per-view. You're going to have somebody pay for this pay-per-view. Maybe the numbers aren't there quite yet, but I think it's going to be AEW's idea to put her over on the Dynamite. That way you're going to have more eyes on her, more of an ability for people to see what she's actually about, and then you're going to build her from there. I think that's going to be their best option. I think that's what they're aiming for. I I see what you're saying there. I I would say, you know, if you're not if you weren't going to put Thunder Rosa over here, um, whether on Dynamite or on the pay per view, I would rather build up to the pay per view. You build her up so that way people are frothing at the mouth for Britt Baker to get her ass beat by Thunder Rosa, and then people more people will buy the pay per view. To me, that's what you use TV for. But I understand either way, you want to build her up. And obviously, you know, these days wrestling is more about, almost more about the TV than it is um, the pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, that started back in WCW. You know, they were owned by the Turner, you know, what is now Warner Media, And, uh, you know, they didn't like wrestling, but, you know, they wanted, they put big shows on Nitro and Thunder big matches on those to pop a rating and you know the pay-per-views were almost secondary to that because they were owned by a tv network they were they weren't really a wrestling company they were a tv production company that produced a couple of shows every week so and people don't think about it that way they just think about the wrestling and why'd you do it this way rather than that way um but they were trying to produce good tv because they were owned by a tv network mm-hmm. and in this case 20 years later, now I, even the WWE, they're not a wrestling company. They're a content company. They're creating content. And this is what AEW is aiming for. This is why they do dark and dark elevation. Um, and why they bought ring of honor. Um, it's for the content. So that way, you know, they're partners with Warner media. They're on TNT and TBS. That's the HBO Warner brothers umbrella, Warner media which we know is getting sold here in a couple of months to Discovery. How's Discovery going to feel about wrestling on their network? Um, but at the same time, these days, it's all about content. Wrestling or not, wrestling draws eyes. Um, if if you got a lot of content and you, we can put it on our platform, we're going to take it. So uh, we'll see what Discovery's feelings of wrestling on, on their streaming platforms are going to be. But I would imagine at some point, AEW is going to sell their content to a streaming platform. That's the ultimate goal. That's the long way around to what I was saying. You know, this is a TV production uh, company now. There aren't really, there are independent wrestling companies, but the big ones aren't really wrestling companies. Even AEW, as much as they want to say they are, they're, they're a TV production company and a content creator like you and me, uh, you know. It's all about TV. It's not about live events. It's not about pay-per-views. It's about TV these days. Um, well, let's get into the CM Punk um, MJF dog collar match. Uh, wow. Uh, 
I mean, I'm a big punk fan. Uh, he's the one back, obviously, with the pipe bomb promo that got me back into wrestling, you know, over a decade ago. Um, got me back hard, and I didn't really know about him before that. But, you know, she's Louise. What a match. Instant classic. I think right up until the thumbtacks, the thumbtacks brought it down just a half notch for me. It wasn't necessary. Um, but still, even with the thumbtacks, what a match. What a match. Your thoughts on the dog collar match? All right. Well, CM Punk, as we know, he's going to go down in history as one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. Between the things that he says on the microphone that really makes you feel his actions in the ring. You just put him head to head with a younger, more cocky, more brash version of him. Skill wise, the way he talks, the way he pulls you in with every promo. MGF, MJF and CM Punk was a collision course waiting to happen. And I'm so happy we finally got to see it. It was everything that I was expecting in the match. It was everything that I wanted. It furthered the story, mm-hmm. the blood, the mind games. You want to talk about a mind fuck. You start with that opening riff from Cult of Personality, and it just shuts off, and it's MJF coming out. And MJF's out there like, I got you guys. The magic's all gone for CM Punk. And then all of a sudden, you get that opening to AFI, and CM Punk coming out, rocking the old school shorts and the jacket top. Yeah, I, I got, I didn't get the music at first because I'd never watched an entrance of his from Ring of Honor, but I knew his old look, you know, so with the shorts and, and all that and the, the old black and white straight edge stuff. And so once he came out, I recognized that. And that was great. That was fantastic. And obviously uh, Excalibur and, and the commentary team did a good job. Oh, that's his, that's his Ring of Honor entrance. And that's, you know, so that someone like me who didn't necessarily know that or your casual fan who didn't know the history would go, would go oh, okay, he's, he's going old school here. I get it. Um, but, yeah, that match, um, MJF is going to be uh, – my cat's doing crazy gymnastics over here. Sorry. Um, yeah, MJF is going to be a star for the next 15, 20 years in the business, no matter what company he's working for. Uh, and that guy and the promos to build up to this match. I I kind of believed because it, this feud deserved it, that it was going to go three matches. And that's why I I told you before, like, nope, MJF's going to go over. It's, it's CM Punk's choice of match Uh, going into it. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be MJF's going to go over and he'll have two up on punk. Um, and then in the third match, Punk will finally get a win back. Um, but MJF could keep his heat by saying, hey, I, I'm up 2-1 on you. And then they can move on to different feuds. Uh, but the way this match went, um, as, as it was going on, like, yeah, there's no one, no one other than Punk could win this match because this was the end of the story. This was the blow-off with all the blood and the violence, um, the thumbtacks. Everything they put into this match was definitely the blow-off to the story. And then the way it ended with Wardlow. So you have a place for, uh, for MJF to go next. You know, you have a natural out from this story into the next story with MJF. And Punk can go on to, and he, I think he did this at, mm-hmm. after he won. 
So we can see where he goes from there. Um, though I don't know about putting him against Adam Page necessarily. We'll see what happens. But uh, uh, we'll get to the title match in a minute. What about uh, we touched briefly on it a minute ago, but Moxley and Brian Danielson. That was a hell of a match, too. Well, before we go out the CM Punk thing, I just oh, want to add my two cents in the ending. From the visual at the end where he's paying homage to one of my personal favorites, Bruiser Brody, swinging yeah. that chain around, to the last couple months of Dynamite tapings where they're making you feel for Wardlow being stuck in this situation with the Pinnacle and MJF. For that to end the way it did was absolutely poetic how they had Wardlow come out. Fuck, I forgot the ring. And then, <laughs> silly me. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Punk. Do what you need to do with it. That storytelling from the way that feud got set up, the way they mixed in the feud, the potential of Wardlow leaving MJF, and what's next for all three of those men. Man, that, in my opinion, for a pay-per-view match, from a storytelling level, doesn't get much better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and speaking of storytelling, Danielson and Moxley, uh, I'm not the biggest... Moxley a fan. I, I love Dean Ambrose. There are times, obviously, with the Shield. And then right after the Shield broke up, I think one of the best things WWE had going at that time was the feud between Ambrose and Rollins was fantastic. Um, and, and then, of course, then from there, just despite Ambrose attaining uh, the world, the WWE championship, uh, it just seemed to be downhill for him. And you could tell that he was frustrated. I, obviously, there was the Austin podcast on the network that was didn't go well and and things of that nature. He comes here to AEW, and he's got a great look now. He, he's beefed up, and of course, especially now that he's come back sober, he looks really good. I like you know I like the shorter hair on him that he's had for the last few years, but he's just a little too him and him and, and Omega both. They they've got these weird movements in the ring that are a little too showy to me and a little too almost fake looking that kind of take me out of it a bit but and of course moxley seems to want to go in the direction of violence more than storytelling sometimes uh but you get him in the ring with brian danielson and you get anyone in the ring with brian danielson good things are going to happen and certainly this this match was pretty darn good um uh, second bloody match on the card, which is its own issue, but just this match in a vacuum, what did you think about it? This match in a vacuum, man, that, I'm going to be honest. Myself, personally, I love a good violent match. That's why ECW, GCW, CZW were, you know, I first got my introduction to Moxley back then. Right. All, all going to hold a special place in my heart. So when I heard I can't team with somebody unless I bled with somebody, I know you said second play match on the card. That's not what I was expecting from that match, to be honest with you. I thought that match was going to be more of a... Uh, I think it would have been served better if the uh, match stipulation or match type was held underneath something other than a normal match. Um, they hyped it up way too much to seem like we need an end-all, be-all, decisive 
Well, then again, you know, I'm going to contradict myself because the way it ended with William Regal coming out and making them stop and fighting and kind of hooking them up for the storyline that they're advancing with now, it wasn't a terrible match. wasn't my favorite match on the card. No. It was one of those matches that were just, it was there. And I hate to say it, Mox is probably my favorite wrestler in a major promotion right now. All right. But, um, yeah, okay. Um, to me, I, I think this was the way the match had to go. Because they talked about it beforehand in promos, like, you know, we can't work together. You know, what was it Moxley said? I don't work with anyone until I've bled with them. Something along those lines. So, you know, I think there had to be blood in this match. And there had to be blood in the dog collar match, story-wise. Putting those on the same pay-per-view was the mistake, in my opinion. I think they, sh- they should have been separate. But, crazy cats, sorry. But, um, uh, and now I lost my train of thought. Putting them on the same pay-per-view, I think, was a mistake. Because they were two violent matches. Very different in their own in their own ways. But two violent matches with blood that maybe should have been spaced out a little bit more on different shows. At the same time, bringing in William Regal was fantastic. A great surprise that didn't get spoiled, thankfully, uh, in any way by the dirt sheets or anything. Um, And glad that he got to keep the name William Regal. I was expecting if he were to come out, it'd be Steven, but apparently he owns, he, after the WWE let him go, he quickly jumped on that trademark and that copyright um, that apparently WWE had let lapse. So uh, having them out there, and then, of course, what happened on Dynamite, um, them coming out as a tag team, it, that's, uh, that's got my interest for sure. Um, anything Brian yeah. Danielson's going to have my interest, but now that Regal's involved, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to start watching Dynamite on, on the regular now, aside from... You know, the fact that we're doing this show and I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that for sure. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, but WWE had to take two L's this week because of trademark lapsing. So, yeah, (laughs) you know. Um, You think they would have learned their lesson when when AEW started, you know, copywriting old WCW pay-per-view names and stuff like that. Bash at the Beach and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, the last match we'll talk about, I don't really have a whole lot of si- whole lot to say about it, um, but the Battle of the Atoms, uh, which seemed to be where the crowd was going with it, they weren't as, they weren't into the match either. It seemed like to me until the, until the end. Uh, but Adam Page versus Adam Cole uh, for the AEW title, this match is kind of a blur to me. I barely remember it. It was kind of forgettable, especially with everything else on the card. Um, not saying it was bad. I just it kind of went in one eye and out the other, it seemed like. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the match? You know, you're absolutely right. This match was kind of a slow burn, which is very rare considering Adam Page and Adam Cole in the ring together. Um, well, I don't, and I, don't, Adam I don't mind that so much because a lot of things these days are about, you know, let's, let's start hot and we'll get into a fight real quick and... and uh, to me, that's not that you, you want to start hot occasionally, but you know, so many matches are like, you know, are about starting fast and hot. I, you want to slow burn more often than you don't. 
Um, and you build up uh, the pace as the match goes along is what you should do. Uh, but go ahead and continue. Uh, you would think, I mean, especially if you know these two guys and their style. Right, right, right. And I'm not, you know, so, this is my first time watching either one of them. So, so the, your familiarity with Adam Cole from NXT Undisputed Era, these guys are both fast-paced, hard-hitting wrestlers when they're in the ring. Yeah. A little bit technical, big spots. Adam Page, what he's been able to do with the AEW title from the inception of AEW to where he's just always been one step short of getting that brass ring, if you will. Yeah, he was in the title, the first title match with Jericho, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's they, been after it for a while. Yeah, this has been long, long-term booking as, you know, most pure. And you're absolutely right. The crowd just, I didn't want to say weren't into it, but I think a thing is a common theme across all companies lately. We're going to make these pay-per-views just drag on for so long. And we're going to throw so much in your face all at once. Sure. That by the time the end of the pay-per-view, you get to the main event. A lot of people are just checked out, and I know myself personally. I was checked out by the time that made it. You're, you're like, oh my god, yeah, because we got we got to the end of uh, the Moxley uh, Danielson match, and you're like, oh my god, we still got the championship match to go, and you'd completely forgotten about the the tornado match with Sting and Darby yeah. Allen. So you're like, oh crap, this match too. So because <laughs> you're like, I got to get to work early in the morning. But uh, hey, that sixty-some-year-old sting sting high spot though really put the juice yeah. back into the night. But so. yeah, it, but to your point, you you have that crazy sting spot just before that. You've got um, Moxley and Danielson and the return of William Regal. That was a big pop. Not to mention the real main event of the show, the hottest angle with Punk and MJF was in the middle of the show. By the time you get to the world title match. That was put at the end as because it's the title, it's the main event. And sometimes this is it's a big debate in wrestling. Should the biggest draw go last or short should the championship match go last? And you've seen the WWE flip-flop on that over the years. AEW wants to be old school and put the championship match last. But really the hottest angle was MJF Punk. Once that match was over, it, you know, the crowd had a few pops you know, William Regal and Sting. But other than that, yeah, they, they were dead because they'd already blown their lid. I feel that was almost, uh, yeah, the pop was gone. It, not only was it about division because, you know, some people want to see Adam Cole as champion. Some people like seeing Adam Page as champion. I, I just, I literally think it was just, you know, the current meme going around is, I support the current thing. That was the wrestling version of I support the current thing. Yeah. Uh, well, we got two Adams in the ring. And again, for as toxic as it is, the internet wrestling community can also be beautiful sometimes when they decided we're just going to cheer for Adam and call it a night. You know, let's, let's wrap this shit right. up. I got to go in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They didn't really start really getting into the match until a couple of near falls near the end. And by then it was kind of, all right, you know, yay, Adam Page, he won. All right, you know, it was kind of the ending of the of the pay per view was kind of meant to me after after what was 
other than some tag matches. Well, it was a fairly good pay-per-view. I, I enjoyed much of it. Yeah. Um, well, well, we've been... Go the ahead. Other thing, Final thoughts. The other thing I think we're overlooking about the Adam Cole-Adam Page match was during the pre-show, when they were leaving the pre-show and cutting into the main show, who just randomly appears in the ring and starts talking on a microphone other than the virus himself? And talking about how it doesn't matter who's winning the AEW championship. When Kenny Omega comes back, he's coming for what he never lost. Right, right. I was completely expecting a Kenny Omega swerve somewhere along the lines. And it was going to fracture and create this whole new storyline that ties into him losing the title to Hangman. And... Adam Cole fracturing off and this weird division within the elite was going to happen. And once that clicked in with me, probably I'd say the last five minutes of the match, I was like, oh shit, Kenny Omega's going to come back. He has to. And then that just never happens. Yeah. And then you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, this is, where's the excitement? What, what was the purpose of having that happen where, you know, you have him talking about Kenny Omega coming back. I'll disagree with you a little bit there. It's not about building up to an Omega return on that show. It's about keeping Omega in the back of your mind, reminding people, oh, he's still out there somewhere, and eventually he's going to come back. So that way when he does, I I, I don't think it's time for him to come back yet necessarily. I I think like the Yum Bucks situation, uh, you know, hold him off TV just a little bit longer. Um Maybe have him come back. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. If Punk's going to be in the title, um, you can have Omega come back and steal the title back from Adam Page. And you can, because I say I'm not the biggest Omega fan, but you telling me an Omega Punk match for the title would not draw? Certainly oh, yeah. more than I think a Punk and Adam Page match would. So. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh... The only thing with that is, though, is one of the people, if I'm recalling correctly, Punk did mention was Adam Page. That was somebody who came to AEW because sure. he wanted a match with him. Sure. Uh, but it'd I be, think for a title, it, it wouldn't be as hot of a match. Um, I think you could still do it. Maybe that would be Punk's stepping stone. If Omega comes back and wins the t- championship, you're going to have to explain Punk getting sidetracked again. Um, for at least the next little while until Omega would win the championship back. But then that would be Punk's next stepping stone would be, okay, I'm going to fight the guy who was just champion, and then that can catapult him into a program with, especially since they're doing the records now and their rankings and who's the number one contender, they're at least, which, yeah, I, I feel like you shouldn't do that. That can handcuff you sometimes. But... But, uh, you know, I, I think that would be a good reason to say, yep, now Punk's in the world title picture for real. He's not just saying he is, you know. So there, there are way, different ways they could go, but a, a face-v-face face match with Punk and Page, I mean, I'd, I'd be there for it. Don't get me wrong. Anything Punk does, yeah. I'd be there for. But I don't know if that'll have the drawing power of Punk and Omega. Um. We've been talking about Revolution here for over 40 minutes. So, uh, for our pay-per-view, that was a whole week ago. So, <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. It was a great match, and I'm glad we talked about it. We'll go on to our next subject here. Um, 
uh, Dolph Ziggler uh, in a three-way match at the most recent NXT. Uh, it was a special NXT taping. I forget the name of it. Uh, but at the most recent NXT show, uh, in a three-way match with Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker and Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler pins Tommaso Ciampa, which is important to note. Braun Breaker didn't get pinned to lose his title, so it keeps him hot, um, keeps him whole. Um, but Dolph Ziggler is your NXT champion out of left field. What do you? What are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are Dolph is one of the most underrated, underutilized tools that WWE has. From his one and only, unfortunately, world title reign up until this point to the story he told with Miz when it came to the IC title about, look, if I don't beat you, Miz, I'm out. Time after time after time, he literally comes to steal the show. Yeah. So then you randomly have him go to Full Sail University. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's in the title picture. And coincidentally enough, this was just something he posted on Instagram. It was a picture of him and Mandy Rose in a car together. And it had a little sticker at the bottom of the picture. It says, we are NXT 2.0. If I would have told you that in 2022, Mandy Rose is going to be your NXT Women's Champion. And Dolph Ziggler was going to be the NXT champion. You would have looked at me like I was a Hydra. <laughs> this is something to me that makes absolutely zero sense. And for two reasons. Reason number one, Ziggler could be a top guy on the main roster. But, you know, you have that Vince McMahon thing issue with him being a uh, Shawn Michaels ripoff, allegedly. And number two is sending him to NXT is not helping any of this young talent. Not if you're sending him down there to become the face of your brand. I will disagree with that a little bit. I did love this picture. I I went and found it. Uh, That is great. Mandy Rose. Oh, man. I... uh... Are we both simping for Mandy Rose? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, yeah, I follow her on Twitter and Instagram, and and I, there isn't a thirst trap that I don't fall for, but hers especially, and nearly every post of hers is a thirst trap, even if she's fully clothed. <sighs> yeah, Mandy Rose. Uh, so I watch her do I've anything, had, but I, I have no problem somebody. with her going down to NXT, um, and making an impact down there. Dolph Ziggler, I'll disagree with you there a bit as well, that there's no benefit to him being down in NXT. He's one of, he's what, one of their longest tenured uh, superstars over there. Yeah. Uh, him and him and R-Truth, right? So they weren't doing a whole, I, I don't know of what they were doing with him on the main roster. Dolph Ziggler was one of my favorite wrestlers 10 years ago when I was watching more regularly. Um, and I'd followed him on social media a little bit, but I never saw anything about what he was doing on the main roster. I hear about this. At least he's doing something, and he's going to be able... He's down in NXT at Full Sail, like you said, and by the Performance Center. He's going to be able to help some guys out, some of the younger talent down there. If they're not going to use him on the main roster the way Adolph Ziggler should be used, you know, he's going to be able to help talent down there. Even if he's the champion... 
I think that's great because now, now that he is a champion, if they're going to put uh, Braun Breaker, they're going to bring him up to the main roster if that's the idea of getting the title off of him. Um, now you've got Ziggler down there, and you can build up a couple of guys chasing Dolph Ziggler in the NXT t- championship. And Ziggler's a name. He's a former uh, world heavyweight champion. I think he's the only uh, wrestler to ever be world heavyweight champion and NXT champion, and the only one that ever will because there is no more world heavyweight championship so that let me just say you're you're right he's gonna help out a lot in the pc but i mean on tv let me just read some names for you real quick of men who are on the current nxt 2.0 roster and you tell me where any of these people have now an opportunity to fit in andre chase boa cameron grimes who i think personally is entertaining as hell Carmelo Hayes, Dexter Loomis, Duke Hudson, Davian Archer, Grayson Waller, Joaquin Wild, Joe Gacy, Josh Bridges, L.A. Knight, Kushida. Think about and that's not even the full men's roster right there, right? Mm-hmm. You're now running into not just an AEW problem, not just a WWE problem, a problem as a whole where you have such a stacked roster that you're just, you're losing all these people. You're denying them the, the ability to be on the show. So what's going to happen with this now? Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. But at the same time, you just rattled off a list of names. Me, as the more casual fan, have no idea who the hell any of those guys are. You've got a TV show you still got to produce that's on USA Network. They want stars. USA wants that show to have a star. Dolph Ziggler's a star. You send them down there. Mandy Rose is a star. You send them down there, and you can build up those other names in feuds with Ziggler and with Rose. You know, obviously not the men you listed are going to feud with Rose, but with Ziggler, you can put them against Ziggler. Ziggler's going to have a great match. Now you're going to know who this guy is and who that guy is because they had great matches with with, uh, Dolph Ziggler, who's a star, and who everyone knows. So... Uh, I understand why they're doing it here. I know, I think, as we go along, I'm going to always end up being the WWE apologist on this podcast, where I'm going to go, oh, hold up, I understand why they're doing this. But, uh, uh, yeah, I I think this is actually the right move for NXT as a TV show. And and for the talent. I understand where... Go ahead. If you put Dolph in a situation, and I hate to say, like, copy me your image, because I don't think Mandy Rose being on the NXT roster is a bad thing. What she's doing with Toxic Attraction is actually really good stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you can find a way to get Dolph in that position similar to that, man, it could be good. I'm just saying, though, as of now, I'm still a to-be-determined kind of guy with this. For someone who loves Dolph as well. Well, and certainly now they've got the title on them. Now they have to do it right. Like what I'm saying, is, I think is valid, but they have to actually do it properly. You have to now bring the younger guys up the feud with them. Um, yeah. And I see in this picture, I guess uh, that's Robert Roode, right? Bobby Roode. Uh, yeah, Ziggler. it appears to be his uh, dirty dog tag team partner. Right. So 
you know, and they weren't doing much with him either. I think him and Ziggler were, were paired together. So, and he's a, he's a great talent and he's been around a long time. So I think it's the same thing with him. Um, you could probably have those guys Oh, You got to go through Bobby Roode before you can get to me, the champion kind of deal. And I, I really think you can build up some stars that way, but the WWE has to do it right. And they haven't always proven that they do it right. So uh, we'll see. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next topic here. Um, Jeff Hardy made his finally, I guess right at 90 days, made his uh, AEW debut after kind of spoiling it a couple of weeks previous that he was going to be coming. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, dancing his way out when he should be uh, hurrying up to save his brother. Um, I, that got blown up and made a, made a meme out of online. That was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, Jeff Hardy is a huge star. Obviously a little controversial the way things ended for him in WWE a few months ago. Uh, but everyone was kind of expecting him to come out. And when he did the pop, uh, they got the rights to the, to the, their theme, uh, which was stock music, not actually owned by WWE. So having that music play and out comes Hardy and he does a little jig on his way out to as his brother's getting choked and saving everyone and, and being involved with Darby and Sting, I think is huge too. So now you've got the, not the Hardy boys, but the Hardys because uh, the boy Hardy boys is still a WWE copyright, but you got the Hardys out there and with Darby Allen and Sting and what's going to go, what's going to happen there. Um, uh, Certainly bringing the Hardys back as the extreme uh, team, the Hardy Boys version of them again, uh, plays on that nostalgia. And I'm excited to see where they go forward with them. Uh, obviously, hopefully to bring up some new people like an Andrade that they seem to be pairing them with, up with right now. And the, what is the AHFO? Yeah. So yeah. There, there's some people. Hardy family office. Right. I guess it's just the AFO now is what it's going to be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. There's some people in that group that I don't know. I've only seen Andrade work a few times. Those classic matches against Rey Mysterio back on SmackDown, I think it was, uh, a couple of years ago. Those were some fantastic matches. Uh, so I know he's got talent. Um, and I assume the other people in that little stable, uh, I'm excited to get to know through this feud with the Hardys. Um, what are your thoughts on Jeff Hardy being all elite? Well, my thought is this. I mean, this is something that they've tagged from the formation of Matt Hardy taking private party under his wing of the, uh, what if one day you get the Hardys versus private party. And now we're finally getting that with the one little caveat that I didn't think I would ever actually care about seeing that I now really want to see Darby Allen and Sting. I mean, that story right there just writes itself. Sting looking to get his um, actual match against Jeff Hardy, thing about Victory Road 2011. Uh, you well, get Darby uh, Allen, yeah. who's been compared to Jeff Hardy for most of his career with the way he just has complete abandon for his health. There's so many interesting and intricate little parts that can come of this. Yeah, there, there are a lot of different ways that could go with this. Um, obviously you're going to protect Sting. I say that, you know, a week after he jumped off a fucking 
real, you know, into a bunch of tables, but you know, you're going to keep, keep him from taking really any bumps. Um, you have him come in, he throws his elbow and his punch and he no sells a move or something. And then, and then Darby Allen will do his big thing and take over the match. Now you've got the Hardys over there that can take, take the majority of it. But, but yeah, the, the AFO, isn't that a group of four people? Are they all wrestlers or? No, there's more than four. I, so now, assuming Matt Hardy's out, you have Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade. Okay. And Andrade. Yeah. So you can, you, can, you can mix and match a lot of stuff in there and still have a numbers game over the four foursome of, of the Hardys, uh, Sting and Darby. So you can have all kinds of different matches in there and ways you could go forward and build up some of the guys in the AFO who... I have no idea who they even are, but you're in a blade I've heard of and, you know, private party. I don't know who they are. So, and not to mention Andrade, who I think eventually will be a world champion. He's, he's fantastic. So yeah, Jeff Hardy is all elite. Says it right there and excited to see him in another big star in AEW. Uh, okay. We'll move on from that. And we're going to move into the next topic, not really a topic, but a tease for things that are coming, specifically uh, next week. Uh, Tony's got a, a segment that he's we're going to do, not necessarily every week, but many weeks, uh, called Heat Seeker. Uh, and Tony, tell us about Heat Seeker. I'm really excited for this. Heat Seeker is going to be a segment where Bobby has given me free reign to do whatever I want. And I'm going to hurt some feelings. And I'm going to go in on some things that may be really popular to a lot of you smart marks out there. That I am just going to, with fact and absolute 120% knowledge of the situation, break it down for you so you idiots can understand why you supporting this silly, stupid, stupid idea of what professional wrestling should be is completely in Italy, completely and utterly asinine. So with that full disclaimer, some of the things I'm going to say, and a lot of it actually is going to be my complete personal beliefs and views and opinions that has nothing to do with Bobby or Bob Media Productions. So buckle up. All right. All right. Well, I, I hope I don't regret that, giving you the free reign. I will say giving you free reign in a little segment, a uh, video segment that we'll do. Um, it's not going to be 100% free reign. I will share my thoughts with you afterwards. We'll play it and then we'll discuss what, what was said. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I already know what your topic is, your first topic is, and you shared with me some other ideas you have. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fiery and explosive and I can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. All right. We'll move on from there to our next subject, our fourth subject, uh, the WWE hall of fame. And I'm on the wrong thing here. There we go. Let's go to me as I'm talking, <laughs> growing pains, man. Uh, the hall of fame, we're getting the undertaker and we're also getting Vader. Uh, being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022. I'm sure there'll be more names mentioned. And you brought to my attention, there's some scuttlebutt on the internet. I couldn't find anything. It's certainly not official. 
about Shad Gaspar having some sort of honor there, possibly the Warrior Award, maybe. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Undertaker and Vader? Vader posthumously, maybe it should have been a little earlier, um, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Your thoughts? My thought is, as far as Undertaker, this man has dedicated 30 years of his career to one company. Just one company. Like, never left to do a little run in WCW. So to me... Well, once he, once he got there... Once he got there, yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. he started, uh, I believe, in Memphis uh, and then uh, yeah. moved on to WCW, Mean Mark Callis. And then from there, when he was told, I believe, by Ole Anderson, you're never going to make a dime in wrestling, uh, you know, he went to the WWF and, you know, they created this, what should have been a terrible gimmick. Very, very old school WWF, and he made it something that lasted for 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. Uh, when even on the Pat McAfee show with Vince McMahon, they talked about they talked about that and Taker, and that Vince, of all people, is going to be the one to induct him, which you don't see Vince very often uh, on the Hall of Fame or even get talked about. He doesn't he doesn't like the praise. He doesn't like the pat in the back, he said on the show. Um, you always hear them talk about that, but he's going to be go, going out there himself to give the praise to to, to Taker. Uh, yeah, like you said, that's that was about the loyalty, I think. And certainly, you know, if he had gone to WCW during the height of the Monday Night War, he wouldn't have been able to be Mark or uh, wouldn't have been able to be Undertaker. But, you know, you could have done something. I don't know if you would bring him as Mark Callis either, but you would have done something similar. But, you know, I he, he would never I, have been as big as he was staying in the WWF. We saw how absolutely. some people, some huge stars, you know, like Bret Hart got treated in WCW. And I'm sure he saw that too. It's like, why would I want to go there? I'll stay here. Um, I think the other thing that you have to look into with Undertaker being inducted this year and it's something I kind of dislike about the uh, 2K games because I think they get a little bit of that Iggy on what's going on with the Hall of Fame. It's usually that year's headliner is the uh, pre-order DLC bonuses. You had Goldberg a few years back. You had Sting. Now, this year it was three different versions of The Undertaker, and I think it was like a week later they announced The Undertaker was going to headline the Hall of Fame this year. Mm -hmm. So I hate that little spoiler there, but well-deserved for a hell of a career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Undertaker, yeah, and Vader. Uh, what a career that guy had. Um, people might remember him from his WWF run. Uh, a short run on Raw in 97 um, and maybe late 96 with Cornette. Um, and, of course... Uh, that big uh, splash on Gorilla Monsoon that was huge. Um, um, but of course, his uh, big Van Vader run with WCW and winning the WCW title. A lot of people don't realize how big a star he was in Japan. Huge in Japan. Um, and, you know, certainly 
and his match, his his run with uh, Mick Foley, uh, with Cactus Jack was a fantastic run. That's how there. I think it was in Japan. I think it was a match in Japan, wasn't it, where uh, Foley's year got taken off? But that was against that was against. Yeah. Uh, they uh, got caught in the uh, ropes, and he had to pull himself out. Yeah, yeah. A spot he'd done a hundred times, but this one it was the ropes were a little too tight. He actually got stuck and was near nearly hung himself in the ropes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, fantastic news for both of them. I wish uh, Leon were still alive. Vader was still alive. Uh, he certainly was taken a little too young. And this induction might be a little too late, but at least he's getting in. And it's well-deserved for both of them, obviously. Uh, we'll, move yeah. on, we'll move on to the next subject. I keep going to the wrong camera there. Uh, the next subject, uh, Pete Dunne made his debut on SmackDown the other night uh, with Sheamus and uh, Ridge Holloway is his name, right? Uh, Holland. Ridge Holland. Holland. Ridge, Ridge Holland. Okay. I'd never heard of him or seen him before, but Sheamus and Ridge Holland. Uh, and he's got a new nickname that seems to be what he will be get called from now on. Um, Butch. So what do you think of Butch and his new look? This is just you and me, Vince. If you ever see our little pissant of a show. For the love of God, quit insulting your fan base's intelligence. Quit acting like we've never seen NXT or like he hasn't been in a hundred of your video games prior to this or like he's never been on the main roster before. Quit renaming people for the love of God, and then not changing their character. What was it? Uh, Bearcat is what he was going with uh, Keith Lee. Yeah. Uh, Changed his look a little bit, yeah. Renaming the War Raiders or Viking Raiders. I mean, we just, we go through this time after time after time. And it's getting to the point now where it's kind of insulting. I, I love Pete Dunne to death, but he's been with the company for so long. That is a guy that you can't just up and give a new name to. <laughs> well, I think there's a little tease for a heat seeker segment there. It seemed like <laughs> you went a little hard, but just a little bit. <laughs> but again, here me uh, possibly getting accused of being a WWE apologist. Um, I can understand as a big media company, you know, their promotion. Their job is to promote. And I'm not, I don't want to defend it necessarily, but I understand where they're coming from to a certain degree with, with these name changes, with taking and him not being in the company anymore. It's his whole separate issue. But a Cesaro, taking an Antonio Cesaro and shortening it to just Cesaro or Big E Langston to just Big E. Um, certainly you can understand. Yeah, yeah, th things like that, taking it down and just, just having that one share-like name. So that way people remember it a little more. It's a little easier for the casual fan to digest and keep. I don't think it's that big a deal. Certainly, I would say Kevin, Kevin Nash was a bigger star as Kevin Nash than he ever was as Diesel. But, you know... It's their style and way of promoting. Um, and to, again, the more casual fan, 
that barely watches, if at all, NXT, certainly doesn't watch NXT UK, they have no idea who Pete Dunne is. So, hey, what here's this guy that? with Sheamus. Sure, Butch. Butch is his name. I don't know. I... The name choice itself. Okay. All right. Let me just ask but... you real quick. Mm-hmm. Just, I want you to get your tinfoil out for just one moment. Does the name Kevin Dunn ring a bell to you? Of course. I know who Kevin Dunn is. You think now that Kevin Dunn's more of a out-of-the-shadows kind of guy for WWE? They didn't want that association, possibly? I don't know anything. I'm just I don't. I'm I don't think that has anything to do with it because, again, Kevin Dunn is someone only us Marks know about. He's, uh, you know, a video production guy, always behind the scenes. He's not a name that the WWE even cares for anyone to know about. Um, certainly, we know about him and what he is and, you know, some of the people that dislike him. Or I would argue that his style of show, he's been pretty brilliant at it, but it, it needs to change up. You know, I, I think the WWE presentation is a little stale. Um, it's been, you know, they up the, update the sets and more lights and graphics and stuff, but the overall presentation has been pretty similar for 30 years now, and now a lot of that's Kevin Dunn. Um, but as far as, you know, confusing a name, Pete Dunn, with Kevin Dunn on, a, on when Kevin Dunn's on a name they even care to have out there, I don't think that's... That has anything to do with it now. We'll find out within the coming weeks. It always people always talk. <laughs> we'll see. I'm just, I'm so anti Butch. I just want to come up with anything logical. <laughs> so so give me. We're changing Pete Dunn's name. That's a done deal. You don't like Butch? Give me a better alternative. A one word alternative. One word alternative where we have to change. We Pete have to Dunn's we name. have to change Pete Dunn's name. Give me one uh, a single word name that's better than Butch. Well, that would I'm, work I'm for not, him. I'm not as cultured as one might believe, so I don't know a whole lot about British Irish namesake. Why not go with something that is from the region of people in which you're teaming him up with, where his heritage is? I think Throw I out. think I think Butch is uh, um more commonly used phrase over there in in the UK. So if so, I did not know that because you know I could be wrong. I I don't know, but I, I I'm trying to think. I think it is something that they said even more commonly and has a slightly different connotation than it does here. But yeah. Because I think Butch of, you know, the fifties, leave it to Beaver. Hey Butch, like you Well, I mean that's the look they kind of gave him too, right? They he he had the big beard and now well, no, he's still got a beard. It's just trimmed down. Um, the newsies hat. What's that? In the old newsies hat, like he's out on the corner with Tiny Tim trying to sell a newspaper. <laughs> right, right, yeah. He's got the wife beater on and some, uh, wow. Yeah, well, we'll see. But uh, we'll move on to the next subject here after we'll get off uh, WWE renaming their talent. We'll save that for maybe a future Heat Seeker segment. And we'll move on here to, uh, well, a segment that Butch was a part of, uh, some a scary incident that happened on SmackDown. Uh, 
uh, Ridge uh, Holland gave Big E a belly-to-belly on the outside of the ring, and it went a little awry. Big E landed on his head and broke his neck. A very scary situation where the camera was kept off of him for a bit, and as they were working on him, uh, off to this outside the ring and eventually taken away during a during a commercial break. Uh, he seems to be okay, but certainly a very scary incident on SmackDown. Something you never want to see. Uh, Big E breaking his neck live on TV. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a wild situation. You know, being on the Twitter sphere of the internet wrestling community like you are, and like I am. You know, all of a sudden, out of the blue, you just start seeing Biggie trending because, let's be honest, you know, as adults, you don't really get to take the time to sit down in front of a television as much as, well, wrestling's going on live. Yeah. And then you start seeing the news, oh, my God, you know, Biggie landed bad. Biggie's getting stretchered out. And then you see the footage of him just getting spiked from that. Yeah. Unfathomable, you know, just thoughts and prayers of Biggie. But holy hell, man, that was yeah. gnarly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wish a speedy recovery to Big E. Uh, one of the biggest and best names that the WWE has right now, for sure. Uh, great personality. And it shows through even in the videos that he's tweeted out the last couple of days since breaking his neck. You know, he's he's still, you know, uh, energetic and trying to keep his spirits up and, and thankful for everyone reaching out to him. Um, uh Setting that aside for a moment, let's talk about this from a WWE storyline perspective. It seems that they were going to have, going into WrestleMania, the plans for Big E was to just be in like a three-way tag match with uh, Butch, Sheamus, and Ridge against the New Day. Um, what do you see happening there on SmackDown at WrestleMania between uh, now that Big E's hurt and he's obviously not going to make Mania? Uh, do you think they just transfer or shift into a basic tag team match now with maybe Butch as like a manager off to the side or? See, this is where I get very conflicted because let's look back at the history of the WWE for a second. Uh, wrestler breaks their neck in the ring. They normally come out on the other side of that. Okay. Right. I mean, off the top of my head, you got somebody like Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Sure. They come back, they go on a hell of a run, which is what I'm hoping for Big E. Um, as far as WrestleMania is concerned, I hate to say it, but I think that angle was doomed from the get-go. I well, mean, you could, if if you're going to, this happen, everybody saw it happen live on TV. Yeah. They will probably get dragged through the mud a bit for this, but you could put some heat on Ridge in storyline for this and on Sheamus. Oh, we broke Biggie's neck and it could become an even hotter angle going into WrestleMania now between the new day and, uh, Sheamus Ridge and Bush. So yeah, definitely not the nineties anymore. Where Owen Hart can do something like that. Um, I mean, I think, I think there, there'll be people that if that's the direction they go and I think maybe they should, cause I'd make it a hotter angle. Uh, going into WrestleMania, then maybe it would have, you know, I'm not saying it's, I'm certainly not saying it's a good thing that Big E broke his neck, but it happened. 
let's use it. You know, it's, it's, it's wrestling. Let's, let's use that. Um, but certainly there'll be people online that are saying, Oh no, you can't use that for a story. I disagree, but. The only thing that bothered me is, and I, I, I'm aware everybody wants their spot on WrestleMania and there's only so many spots to give, but you have three, well, if you count the NXT championship, four former world champions, the current King of the ring, a former King of the ring. And then this guy, Ridge, who is trying to get his footing in place within professional wrestling still Mm -hmm. all in one match. I mean, to me, unfortunately, it seems like it was just going to be filler and you need the filler, but at the same time, well, and certainly that you're not looking at some of the talent in that match. Yeah. You're like, Oh, this, they're just going to be in a, you know, and before Biggie broke his neck, Oh, they're just going to be in a, in a six way tag match. That's kind of, kind of lame you know Big E was just WWE champion shouldn't he be in a bigger profile match uh, but like you said there are only so many spots for a big profile match and yet WWE to their credit has you know the big Wrestlemania payday they've always tried to get as many people on the Wrestlemania card as as possible they'll have battle royals the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal they've got the the May Young Memorial Battle Royal I think for the women now too um, things of that nature. Um, so here's a way, you know, otherwise, sure, Big E is going to have a match on the card no matter what, but what's Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods going to do at that point, you know? So I think that was a way, like, let's get them on the card. This is a way to get Sheamus and all them on the card. It'll still draw because it's the new day. Uh, and at the same time, we can bring up a guy like Pete Dunne and try and elevate him a little bit with a little bit with a few good spots in WrestleMania. But, you know, obviously this throws a wrench into those plans. On the other hand, it can make it a hotter angle. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, well wishes to Big E and a speedy recovery, uh, hopefully for him. Uh, we'll move on to the next subject here. Uh, the last subject, and it's a, Doozy, Stone Cold Steve Austin is returning to WrestleMania. It's been rumored for a little while, uh, but it seems like it's not the full match that was rumored. Uh, he's coming back for an in-ring segment with Kevin Owens, some sort of confrontation. Stone Cold in his video himself says, call it a match, call it a confrontation, call it the Kevin Owens show, whatever his show is. Call it whatever you want. I'm coming to kick his ass and open up a can of whoop-ass, the last one. Sold. I'm in. I'm always down to see Stone Cold Steve Austin throw a few stunners and drink a few beers. Who isn't? Uh, your thoughts on Stone Cold returning to WrestleMania? Stone Cold returning to WrestleMania is definitely always going to be a draw. It's always going to put eyes on the product. The issue I have, and I pray to God it's just this. Please just let it be a segment. You know, I think wrestling as a whole has a very big issue where they rely way too much on nostalgia for a match when Austin to his credit looks amazing for his age the dude's one wrong move with his neck away from being paralyzed which is a scary scary thought again going back to what we're seeing right now with the whole Big E situation 
you know, have Stone Cold come down, let the glass break, toss him a couple beers in the ring, have him stunner uh, KO, and have him walk away, and that's what's going to make the people happy. No harm, no foul. You get that big Austin pop. You get him to get some rub with Kevin Owens, who's now using the stunner as a finisher. I mean, it's the best possible scenario. Don't put Steve in a match. I yeah, I think there there were the rumors ahead of time uh, before it was confirmed, and I was firmly thought there's no way, there's no way Steve Austin actually comes back for a match because he's always been a guy and he's always said it. I I thought about doing it a couple of times, and if it were to happen. It should have happened with Punk several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think coming back for Kevin Owens is, is less than it could be, as great as Kevin Owens is. But I, yeah, Steve's always been Steve Austin's first name basis with Steve. Uh, Steve Austin's always been a guy who uh, was like, yeah, if I can't be Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring and be that guy that everyone remembers me being, why would I come back for a match when I can't really have a full match like I used to? So, you know, and he's worried about legacy and things like that. So when it finally did happen and Kevin Owens challenged Steve Austin on TV and then a day later had the response, I was like, okay, they're not calling it a match. But I also don't think it's going to be just Stone Cold comes out and stuns Owens and then has a few beers and off he goes. It's going to be more than just because Austin's done that at other manias. There's nothing that special about that. You're promised, they're promising something here beyond just a stunner and a beer. You know, it's going to be a beatdown, it's going to be a little bit of a back and forth. I think Austin's the one that said, no, we're not, let's not call it a match. Because I can't have a match. I'm just not yeah. going to be able to be Stone Cold Steve Austin that way. But we can come down and he can get some heat on me and beat me up a little bit. And then I can do a comeback and we can throw a couple of... And we can... Oh, he's going to stun me. Here's his kick. Nope, it's blocked. Spin him around. And now I stun him. And maybe give him another stunner and and give him the, the one-finger salute and drink a few beers, pour a couple on Kevin Owens. You know, it's not going to be a five-minute segment, but I can see it being a 10- to 15-minute segment. Um, certainly not a full match. But, uh, yeah, it, that's it's exciting news no matter what, and it's obviously going to be a huge draw. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago about how, you know, wrestling has an issue with maybe pushing too much nostalgia, but Austin's a star, and he's going to get pay-per-view buys, and that's what ultimately what this is all about. Um, we could say it's an issue with how they build their current stars if they have to keep going back to the well, but... Well, let's let's not forget, though. Is pay-per-view by still a thing with WWE? No. Yeah, and that's, that's a thing that's never even been fully explained, at least to uh, the public, how the boys get paid off of uh, their premium live events now. Yeah, so I don't think that pay-per-view buy is the reason why we're bringing Austin back. Um, Because, you know, premium live event, Christ, just like with the network, you could do a Peacock-free trial and see WrestleMania. I think the big issue is, is, you know, and 
maybe what I said was a little bit off of the mark of what it should have been. The nostalgia is great, especially for WrestleMania. WrestleMania, you need three things. You need a big marquee rivalry. That's always going to be first and foremost. Number two, and I hate saying this, but we're getting this with the Logan Paul aspect of it, who Brock Lesnar oddly just co-signed. You need the celebrity involvement. It's mania. You need it. Absolutely. It's what it was built on. And number three, you're going to need that nostalgia. Those are the three things that makes WrestleMania WrestleMania. Right, and and two and three can kind of be mixed there because with with Stone Cold, you're getting someone who's a star, a huge star, but he's also going to bring the nostalgia with him, and everyone wants, wants to see him, you know, drink a beer and kick some ass. You know, well, see, that's where I that's where I have to slightly disagree with you though. If you wanted to do that with The Rock, that's absolute celebrity involvement right there. So that guy has transcended what his WWE run was. Yeah. A guy like Austin, he's still in the WWE sphere. Yeah. Rock is the big Uh, crossover, super mega star, and Austin never really went beyond wrestling. He did a few movies, but it was never a big thing that he did. He never became a huge star outside of the business. Oddly enough, a huge uh, mess with your mind a little bit. I think we're at the point now where if you wanted that, you could have even gotten Cena. But, uh, yeah, that... Yeah. Awesome, definitely coming in for the nostalgia factor, and I, I think it's something that's needed. You know, I think a little bit of the back and forth is going to be... It's going to be fun to see, but just I can't imagine, you know, and if you want to put Austin with anybody in your company, a guy like Kevin Owens, who's a veteran, knows what he's doing, you know he's going to take care sure. of Austin. Sure, absolutely. But I just can't see a full-blown match. No, nah. no. Nah. But uh, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Uh, like, like I said, it, it's Austin. Kick some ass, flip a bird, drink a few beers. And people will go nuts. That's all you need. Oh, yeah. That's all you need. It's WrestleMania. That's all you need. Um, uh, so I segue, I didn't bring this up as a subject, but I was just thinking about this as we're talking about crossover stars. Pat McAfee. Uh, I saw what he did on SmackDown. I didn't watch his NXT stuff, but I'm a huge fan of Pat McAfee, his show, and I watch, watch that all the time here on YouTube watching what he did with Austin Idol and throwing some what... I mean, his stuff was snug. It looked good. Pat McAfee, he's a star. He's always hype and smiling and has high energy. He looked pissed. He looked upset. I I bought it. Everything he did was fantastic. Well, first uh, and foremost, let me what, just that, say... The little bit that I saw of him, he's like... I, I'm like, whoa, I'm... I'm sold on everything Pat McAfee's doing right now. The fact that this storyline ended up being Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory and not involving Vince McMahon getting back into the ring is a godsend. I, I never believed that rumor either. I was worried because I was excited about that interview with Vince. And I was worried, oh, when those rumors started, oh, please don't, please don't work something in this interview. I, I, wanted, I want just a real... Because I knew Pat McAfee would be able to get Vince to open up and get comfortable a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's a brilliant interviewer. But, um, you but know, he, I, but I, I was so glad that it didn't become a work, that it was just a legit, real interview. 
Um, and then we can throw the work in later. But I truly believe, though, if Pat McAfee would have went a different way in life and didn't end up in the NFL, there is not a shadow of a doubt that he could have been currently one of the bigger names in professional wrestling. I, yeah, whole, he still could be. He doesn't. He doesn't have or want to put in that kind of time. He's he's yeah. more focused on his show and building up his media empire. Um, uh, so the wrestling is is a fun gig for him every Friday to go do the commentary and getting a match at WrestleMania. You know, is is he said is a dream come true. Obviously, uh, yeah. but if he were to ever uh, focus full time on wrestling, yeah, he'd be he'd be a top star. Immediately, one of back, the best promos, everything. If you go back and you watch that story unfold between him and Adam Cole, start yep. to finish, I was very skeptical because we've seen in the past NFL players who have big names coming in for one match in the WWE. Uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor comes to mind. Um, it's not always great. No, but uh, they're, they're always names and uh, I get off on the tangent here, but they're always big names so that there's a draw and, and they're usually athletes. They can at least do a couple of things. Lawrence Taylor, you know, a main event match at WrestleMania was too much, but, you know, having him come in and do something or having, uh, you know, a Kevin Green with WCW come in and do a few spots was always fun. I never had an issue with it, or, or uh, for that matter, Carl Malone and uh, Dennis Rodman and their thing. Um, but you could tell they were working at it, too. They were training. And, of course, you got Steve Mongo McMichael. For all the issues that some people had with his work, he was dedicated to it, and he loved it. He, he worked at it. He got better as he went. So, and... Obviously, his health the last year has been uh, an issue, and and glad to see that he's still around and kicking. But uh, yeah, uh, Pat McAfee as a former NFL player, he's got that. He's got that. Even if he didn't already have the NXT background, he's got that. Even though he's just a punter, he's got that athletic background of a former NFL player that he's bringing with him, so that he's already got some legit backing he's you don't have to build him up completely he's already got that he's bringing with him and he's got a name that people recognize on top of the fact yeah. that he's yeah now he actually is pretty darn good in the ring and not to mention on the stick so and you know that's not a knock at nfl players trying to come over and become professional wrestlers i mean no. brock lesnar roman reigns moose and impact you have a bunch of former people who played in the league who actually end up being great professional wrestlers. Uh, a lot of football players, a lot of the Hall of Famers. Um, you've got uh, Ron Simmons was is a Hall of Fame uh, football player for Florida State. He's in the College yeah. Football Hall of Fame. His number's retired. You know, he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, Florida State player ever. Um, he was a he was a Heisman finalist as a defensive tackle unheard of right so un so you know and and lex luger was a f football player 
you know, obviously, you know, and others, you know, you brought up, you brought a few up Goldberg. So the former, former athletes, Kevin Nash was a former basketball player, former athletes, maybe not making it all the way to the pros or getting an injury before they were able to stay long-term. Um, they've always been a huge part of the business and will always continue to be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the uh, new initiative. I don't remember off the top of my head what it's called. The WWE has launched that program where they're going to scout athletes at combines where they may not get that chance to be drafted by the next level. But mm-hmm. now WWE has their numbers on file and they could just easily ring them up and be like, we're going to give you a tryout, kid. Come on down to Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see that they're going to be getting that level now. But back to Pat McAfee, I'm really actually excited for this match. Um, yeah. The whole Austin Theory character. Uh, it, it At first, it was very annoying to me, but it's growing. And I know that annoyance level to it is what's supposed to be. So WWE got you hooked with that right there. Mm-hmm. You, you want to see him get his kid. ass kicked, yeah. You want to see him get his ass kicked. He's like the better version of Sami Zayn in that regards, I think. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, going, we're going for it now. Full bore in the WrestleMania season. So let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. I'm excited for it. Um, they're not completely solidified yet, but speaking of WrestleMania, you know, it's only a few weeks away. We got our show next week we'll be doing. Um, there are a few hiccups in this one, but I'll, uh, I got some editing to do. So it, this, this might end up going up a little later than I'd hoped. Uh, but next week, hopefully things will run a little smoother. Uh, there won't be some weird transitions going on in, in the show. Uh, but uh, the week after that is WrestleMania weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I made sure I took off of work that Saturday. So that way we can go live if you're willing. And we don't have plans finalized, but I figured we could do a sort of a live watch party on YouTube. You and me, whoever else wants to come hang, hang out and watch the show with us. And we'll just have a blast, drink a few beers, you know, what <laughs> and and have a blast man and watch watch it and, and give a sort of live review of the shows that's going on if you're down i think that's what we'll do yeah i think that's going to be the uh, best course of action i mean who doesn't want to see two guys talk about pro wrestling while watching pro wrestling while drinking about pro wrestling <laughs> yeah we might end up giving a few giving each other a few suplexes too we'll see what happens it might get a little hot but uh <laughs> it's talking about a heat seeker but uh yeah buddy all right that's the show guys thank you for watching uh come back next week we'll have episode number two that'll have that heat seeker segment looking forward to that and getting into it with tony uh thanks you guys like subscribe make sure you don't miss the show comment down below let me know your feelings and thoughts about all the things we talked about about biggie's broken neck about scott hall's health issues he's got going on and uh about Butch. Uh, send the heat seeker to Tony. Let's see what happens there. All right, guys. See you next time. Have a good day. Have a good night, guys. Don't forget, like and follow us on all of our socials and connect us with us there. Give us all the feedback on the shows that you would like. Until next time, Bobby. Cheers, brother. See you later, man.
life.